Ah, welcome to Full Rigor, Florida True Crime Podcast. I'm Karen Curtis. And I'm Jennifer Ross. And this time we are going to talk about babysitting and actually an event in 1984 that made babysitting in Delray Beach terrifying. I thought babysitting was terrifying to begin with, even without this story from Delray Beach, which I don't know anything about because you're going to surprise me here. Oh, it just, you won't even believe this story. <laughs> it's its sickening. But um, what happened to you babysitting? I used to babysit these four kids, and they were all like, three of the four were genius level. I mean, they, I, they used to help me do my physics homework. How old were you? I was in high school. I was probably junior, senior. And the first time I babysat for them, the parents leave, kids are all excited, you know, oh, we got a babysitter, it's the first time. Uh, within an hour, they had me duct taped, tied up, and stuffed in a closet. <laughs> <laughs> they were they were horrid children. How much were you making an hour? Oh, I think, I think for the whole night I got like 10 bucks yeah. or something. And I, I thought that was breaking down the walls of financial success. Yes. So... Did the parents come home and they let you out, or how? What, no, the oldest finally came to uh, reason and uh, decided to untape me and untie me. I and would let have me lost loose. it. It was horrible. Oh my god! I was laughing actually. It was pretty funny because I. It started with you know, can we tie your hands? Thinking uh-huh. it was a joke. Oh, but then you but were. But then s- it got then it got carried away. Oh my gosh! But uh, that was the first and last time they did it because I threatened their lives after that. Well, I I babysat. From I think I started when I was not I was still maybe twelve. I know it's amazing what our parents at, at young age. They I was like two babysit. doors down, and my my parents were like, "You'll be fine." And it was up for a baby, and I, I'm sitting there, and I heard this cat. Or I thought it was a mountain lion, and it <laughs> sounded like it was right under the door, the window. It's a cat. It was howling, and I called my mom, and I'm on the phone with my mom saying, "There's this." mountain lion outside i'm terrified and all of a sudden their cat jumped on my shoulder from the refrigerator oh my god oh you must have died i, I would was, have died i went through the ceiling <laughs> but then i eventually was started babysitting our next door neighbor and when i was older and i babysat there so much the kids started calling me mom oh wow and i made a dollar an hour and i did the laundry cleaned the house it, you know, became mom. Wow. Can you imagine? This no, was, you can come to my house anytime. I think, I think kids make $10 an hour now. Easily. I know uh, parents, too, that put the kids on retainer. So, like, they, oh. so they're guaranteed so they're on, on New Year's Eve. They're not going to be anywhere else. I will pay you every week just to be available. I mean, granted, you know, they have the financial means to do that. But uh, that's how bad it is. And they don't clean the house anymore. No, and they you don't do the me? dishes. They talk to their no. boyfriends and they watch MTV. Well, not MTV, Netflix. Yeah. And pray their boyfriend doesn't show up. <laughs> <laughs> well, in 1984, we had a case. A young babysitter was raped and murdered. Oh, my God. While she was babysitting. Oh, this is horrific. She had just hung up the phone talking to her mom saying, I'm okay. Oh, my goodness. So she eventually... The attacker went to death row, but this was from 1984. He's still alive. Come on. So here's what happened. 14-year-old Karen Slattery last spoke with her mom at 10 o'clock Saturday night. She was babysitting in March of 1984. And she was babysitting two little girls, and she was such a good babysitter. They loved her. And she was so diligent. So what, 14, she's in ninth grade? Yeah, about that. Yeah. And she had them take a bath, brush their teeth, and then she read them a story. Right. And while she's up with the kids reading the story, 
someone, unbeknownst to her, has broken in through the window. Oh my God! And come into the house. This this is this has got this has got me terrified already, and you haven't even told the story. He's looking around, and he sees that she's got the kids, and the kids are up. Now, eighty percent of rapes and murders happen from someone that you know. Right. This is one of the twenty percent. Complete random. Really? Some guy on a bike riding by looked in the window. Come on. So he crawls in the window and then he crawls out and he's waiting for the kids to go to bed. So she reads him a story, puts him to sleep, and she goes out, as I said, and calls her mom about ten o'clock. She's like, Mom, I'm fine. You know, she's she's on the phone in the kitchen. But there was somebody else in the house there at that Delray Beach cul-de-sac on Harbor Drive. And there was apparently, this was 31 years ago or so, the moon was approaching, the dark of the moon. So it was very, very dark out. And he'd been in the house earlier, as I said. He went unnoticed, waiting for the kids to go to sleep. And Dwayne Owen went back to the house and he attacked Karen Slattery, 14-year-old Karen Slattery, as she hung up the phone from talking to her mom. Oh, my God. Between when he came in the house to see what was going on and kind of stake it out, he then went back to A1A, a bar called The Gipper, and he drank some beer and he smoked some pot. Okay. And then he goes back to the house and he attacked. Wonderful. Nice. Upstanding young man. He struck as she hung up the phone. Shortly after midnight, the parents come home and they find their floors covered in blood. Oh, my God. He'd attacked her in the kitchen, as I said. He had a knife. He slit her throat. Ah. And then he dragged her into the bedroom and raped and stabbed her 18 times. After he slit her throat? Yes. Oh, this guy's a piece of work. So her green blouse had been pulled over her face, and it's long been believed that the sisters, the kids she was babysitting, slept through the whole thing, and the killer went into their room to make sure that they did not wake up. And had they been up, God only knows what would have happened. Exactly. Oh, my goodness. So This um, is horrifying. I now, know, anybody that's listening to this podcast is never going to babysit again. Well, I'm telling you. I oh, was my her, God. I, when I was her age and I heard a cat, I was terrified. Jeez. So two months, they investigated this thing. He wore gloves or socks over his hands. They spent untold hours at the Delray Beach Police Department. They got nothing. And so How on, can they not have nothing? He raped her. This is 84. Remember, the uh, first case of DNA was 87 in Tampa. That's right. So, so they had no idea. So, I mean, there's even no if, fingerprints. Oh. They did have the bicycle tracks, so they knew he was on a bike. Okay. So, on May 18th, Sergeant Ross Licata wrote At this time, the case remains active pending further leads. End of report. Wow. So, our friend, Dwayne Owen, shows up now at FAU in Boca, Florida Atlantic University, where students reported seeing this guy peeping into windows. Oh, wonderful. They called police, and they provided a rudimentary sketch of him. Mm -hmm. So a heads-up Boca detective pulled a photo out of a file that was specifically a file of sex offenders' photos, and he compared this drawing, this rudimentary drawing from an FAU student, to the photos and he picked a photo out and it was Dwayne Owen oh my god so he wanted the girls to come in to do the lineup right with the photos but they'd gone to the keys it's remember it's now what is it Memorial Day what is May 
Yeah, Memorial Day yeah. weekend. Memorial Day weekend, they went to the Keys, so he couldn't get them back in until Tuesday, in which time Owen broke in and killed a Boca woman. Oh, my God. This guy was just like a serial rapist killer, so he was he would have been, had they not, well, I don't even know when they stopped him, because I don't know the rest of the story. Okay, so. But he was on his way to becoming a serial killer. Yeah. So, Georgiana Warden's two daughters, ages 13 and 9, often slept in the same room because the younger one was scared to sleep alone. And so, May 28th, 1984, remember he killed Karen in March. Okay. Now it's May. After watching TV at about 11 o'clock, the mother was still up, but the girls had gone to bed. She's divorced. Okay. Single mom. 38-year-old Georgiana was an instructor at the College of Boca Raton, now Lynn University. And just like Karen Slattery... Very small. She weighed barely 100 pounds. Jeez. Her husband had run off eight years earlier. And the girls remember their mother dating several men, but none of them seriously. So, you know, it wouldn't be common for her to have a guy over. Right. So when the girls woke up on May 29th, they found their mom's door locked. That's not unusual. So it was unusual, though, that the bedroom window's glass was broken. Oh, wonderful. So, as they had done before, the girls used a tool to pop the lock on the bedroom door. Oh, smart kids. And this time, the monster had come for their mom, and they called a neighbor. So, they find their mom. They found the mom. Oh, my God. Yeah. And this one, he didn't use a knife, he used a hammer. Oh, my God. This story gets worse. Yeah. So, (laughs) the medical examiner listed the cause of death, and it was craniocerebral injury. It was the only homicide in Boca Raton that year. Really? Yeah. He hadn't stabbed her like he did Karen Slattery. He'd beaten her in the head with a hammer over and over. Oh, my God. Oh, he crushed her skull. And among other things, the medical examiner's board said that uh, she suffered multiple depressed fractures of the skull involving the left orbit, the eye, frontal area, right temporal area. And she also had been raped. Her body left naked and spread eagle, head covered, face up on the bed. She'd been choked so hard that her neck was broken. Oh, my God. God. And again, this guy's an animal. Their murder weapon was a hammer. Oh, jeez. And he's still alive, you're telling me? Yeah. They haven't, they haven't, they haven't off on, this guy yet. He's on death row, and I'll tell you why. But um, the police officers began talking just hours after this Georgiana Warden uh, murder. And Delray investigators reviewed the crime scene and they said, this is the same guy. They combined the two cases. And they got a fingerprint on this case. Oh, good of blood on a book. So I want to tell you a little bit about Dwayne Owen because not, you know, I'm not mitigating and not trying to explain his behavior, but he was born in 1961 in Gas City, Indiana. And he came from a not so great home. His parents were both alcoholics. Okay. So remember, he went to the bar before he killed Karen. So right. obviously he had a, a, situ- a drinking problem. Yeah. Um, so Dwayne and his brother Mitch were left in the Owen home to fend for themselves because the parents just weren't around. And many times they ran wild. Uh, and he testified about physical abuse from the father, including beatings. And Gene Owen was the father. And after their mother died, the father committed suicide. So Dwayne and his brother were sent to an orphanage in Michigan, in Eaton Rapids, Michigan. Okay. He left the orphanage in 1979, turned 18. And then he pinballed all around. He ended up in Delray Beach. And soon after arriving, he was arrested for indecent exposure. 
So he had this predilection to go outside windows and to peep and to expose himself. Then he was arrested for two burglaries. All right, you got to stop there. You know, I understand the parents were alcoholics and they let these kids fend for themselves. But to to expose yourself to people, I mean, that is that's isn't that like a learned behavior? I don't. Know. I mean, this where does guy, that come from? At least he had, didn't have a blow to the head like some of them. But when. <laughs> He was arrested at the University Bowl and Recreation Center in Boca. He had crawled into the ceiling above the women's bathroom because he, quote, wanted to watch girls. Oh, this guy was, he's just a creeper, creeper, creeper. So the sexual nature of his crimes became so profound that they recommended that he get counseling for deviance. Oh, okay. Again, I will go on the record and say you cannot cure a sexual deviant. And, and if, un- I get, if I get emails from that idiot and a letter in the mail, I want to meet the people you've rehabilitated, supposedly. Well, it's unknown if you got counseling. So Wouldn't have helped anyway. Now you have a little thumbnail sketch of what this guy is all about. But let's go back to the sketch that they had of Dwayne Owen. That right. the girls finally returned from the Keys and they identified him. That's the guy. Wow. Okay. So they knew he was the one, but they had to arrest him and they had to get him. And they didn't have any forensic information on him from the Karen Slattery murder. But by the time they got him in for questioning, they had the fingerprint. From the second one? Yeah. From, yes, from Georgiana Warden. Now, after the murder, which occurred not far from FAU... The police sergeant, Kevin McCoy, circulated his photo to all officers and issued a bulletin. And on May 30th, Officer Kathleen Petraco, the wife of the police chief, Peter Petraco, spotted him walking on Country Club Boulevard. Holy cow. Nice neighborhood, I would say. The end of the city, wearing jeans, a gray shirt, and a painter's cap. She stopped him, asked him for his name. He showed a military ID with a false name. And she arrested him for that, for the false name, because she knew who he was. Call it luck. Call it preparation, meeting opportunity. Police weren't sure who they were dealing with. But at 12.35 p.m., however, he breathed his last breath as a free man. Well, that's nice to know. Well, boy, a smart woman. Really smart. That was I mean, heads up. How many police chiefs really share what's going on with their wives? You know, I mean, probably not a lot, because they know a lot of cops who don't share everything with their wives because it depressed them. Yeah. It was really bad. So here he is in the interrogation room. He thought he was smarter than the police, and he, so he started playing cat and mouse with them. What is the number? Is it two or is it five or is it more? No, it's two. That's the truth? Yeah. Number five means something, too. Number five means something, too? Is that what he said? Yeah, it's hard to tell, but he's saying, look, uh, you're going to go all over the world trying to figure out what I've done, you know, and they said, well, how many murders, too? And he goes, yeah, two. Are you telling the truth? Well, five also means something. But then they said, look, we got your fingerprint. You are busted. The man does have your fingerprint. That's no lie. She's trying to think of, um, think of a way out. There ain't no way out. There ain't no way out. Guys got me good, man. Got me good. Got me good. Well, that's nice. Well, this guy like has no remorse whatsoever. That's exactly it's, right. It's like he, you know, he just, uh, you know, had a flat tire and they picked him up. Yeah, you got me good. I'm like, okay. Then he confessed everything. Since they had the fingerprint, he confessed to the rape of Georgiana Warden. Here's what he said. Just go over there and write her again. Maybe I'll just hit her once and then that way she'll get knocked out. But no, he just hit her multiple times with the hammer. And 
Oh, my God. As, as I told you from the medical examiner's report, it wasn't pretty. Then he confessed to the murder of 14-year-old babysitter Karen Slattery in March of 1984. And again, as I said, it was totally random. So he was one of the 20% where he just was riding by on his bicycle, and he looked in the window, and he... Think of Charlie Manson. Exactly. He picked her out. And this is what he said about her. Then I took her in the bathroom. Tried to take her. Just grabbed her feet and drug her. Grabbed her feet and drug her in the bed after he cut her throat. Okay, so in 1985-86, juries convicted him in the murders of Karen Slattery and Georgiana Warden. So you got the Delray Beach murder and the Boca murder, and both juries convicted. And they both recommended the death penalty, but which the judges imposed. Right. But back then, it didn't have to be unanimous. And now, since then, the Supreme Court has ruled that and you need a, a unanimous verdict, but it's not retroactive. Right. But they're still arguing, you know, that it's, you shouldn't be, so he's still on death row, basically. And he's arguing because it wasn't unanimous that he shouldn't be killed? That, and seven years later, uh, though the state's high court allowed his confession, first his confession was found inadmissible in 1990. They threw out the confession, but they still had him. Well, they had the Because by then they had DNA. Aha. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> so he was convicted again, and he got the death penalty again. So how long before we put this guy to sleep? We don't know. As of June of 2019, it's still a question of whether or not he gets a new trial with the new jury deciding unanimously or will he be converted to, you know, life in prison. But here's Karen's sister, Debbie, who, by the way, has become a police officer. The fact that this guy is still sitting in jail, it's frustrating. Yeah. I can't blame her. I can't blame her. Can you imagine any of these families? No. Those poor children, they lost their mother. You know, and then they got to find her. Then they found her. How's in that, that screw state? them up for the rest of their lives? Exactly. I'd put the needle in the guy's arm if that was my mother. Yeah. Ah, come on. You know, there's certain there's certain things I understand. The Barry Shank and the, the his whole program. The you Innocence know? Project, right? The Innocence Project. I understand that. But in this case, you got clear evidence. This guy is an animal. He needs to be taken outside and shot. Never mind stuck on death row for how many years? Come on. You know, there's there's. I'm a firm believer in an eye for an eye. And in this case, you, you brutally murder two innocent women, uh, one a child, really, in front of children, even worse. And you have no remorse. This, like I said, it's like this guy w- was talking about buying a puppy. Yeah, you caught me. Yeah. So what's interesting in further interrogation of him, he also confessed to many burglaries and batteries, two especially serious. So November 1982, two years before these other murders, he broke into a room at the Peter Pan Motel on Federal Highway in Boca and clubbed a woman so hard that a portion of her skull broke off. Oh, my God. And was touching her brain. He raped her, then called the police to report the crime. And, and they didn't catch him then? No. He called the police to report the crime. And then in 1984, uh, February, so this would have been before March, he broke into an apartment near Boca Raton Regional Hospital left 18-year-old Marley Manley naked and bleeding from the head. She had been beaten nearly to death, leaving her disfigured with a wrench he took from a tow truck. He'd been out on maneuvers. He was called, he called his searches for young women maneuvers. He spotted uh, Manley and counted the windows to find the right apartment. Yeah, okay, you can't tell me this guy didn't leave a path of destruction from Michigan all the way to Florida then. And by the way, like Karen Slattery, she attended Pope John Paul High School. Owen pawned her ring. This guy's—he's just 
He's scum. He's evil. You know they got that new show coming out called Evil. This guy, which should be like the the With poster child for the Chris it, Chris Cuomo. Yeah. What goes on in their mind and how they can justify this behavior? And well, I, I think the problem is you try to justify it yourself, you or I or anybody else listening to this podcast. And the problem is you can't because you don't think like he does. Right. He thinks this kind of behavior is normal. And he, when he was in interrogation, he thought he was smarter than the police, and you really couldn't hear from the recording but he was fishing to find out what they knew about him and he wanted to know what they had on him and so he thought he was smarter and he taunted the investigators and he said roses are red you pigs are blue count up my victims there will be quite a few oh what a nice guy well i i would assume you said he came from michigan right he didn't like fly here he probably drove here or right. hitchhike or however well, he took a, a bus bike. or whatever uh, I would assume there's a death pattern of destruction along the way well, of either rapes or people beaten to death or girls beaten. That I don't he hasn't know. admitted to. Right. It's just unbelievable. And like I told you, he was taunting them until they said that they had the fingerprint. And then he knew. The man does have your fingerprint. That's no lie. She's trying to think of, um, think of a way out. There ain't no way out. There ain't no way out. You guys got me good, man. Guy's got me good then. But he's still alive. Wow. If I were a member of this family, I would make sure he was dead. Don't ask me how, but I would. So let's see what's going to happen. You know, will his sentence be committed to life because he didn't have unanimous juries? Okay, you can't tell me any jury, even if, say, they give him a new trial. You can't tell me anybody in a trial after hearing all of this horrific evidence and all these horrific stories that they won't be unanimous. So, but then the guy's going to sit for another ten years. Yeah, but they'll come in with with the whole backstory that I told you. His parents were alcoholics, and he Who was cares? beaten. You know what? He's from a nice family. No, oh. <laughs> no, you're not going to hear that. But still, you got somewhere along the line. I understand that this guy had a tough life. There's no doubt about it. But my son-in-law had a crappy life. He's not a serial rapist or a murderer. But uh, grow up. Where's all this rage coming from? And, uh, and plus, he's probably an alcoholic. I would, I would assume this is, this is learned behavior. I would assume his father beat the crap out of his mother. He saw a lot of stuff, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. And plus, when the mom died, the father killed himself. Yeah. Well, so this guy's taught that really life is not worth it's, much. Yeah, it's useless. But can, going back to Karen Slattery, she's babysitting. She's alone. Uh. That poor child. Oh, my God. I just remember when I was I was afraid of the cat sound. You were tied up. <laughs> it was all in fun, though. I mean, it wasn't like they just thought they were smarter than me, and they were. I told you, they used to help me do my physics homework, and they were like 10 years old. They were smart kids. But until they caught this guy for two months, you couldn't get a babysitter in Delray Beach in 1984. Well, I, you know what? I wouldn't be leaving my kids anywhere. And if I were if I were a single girl, I wouldn't be by myself anywhere or a single woman. Yeah, I mean, I mean, this and then is he's showing like, up at FAU looking in the window. Well, you know, this likens to Son of Sam. You went to New York City, Son of Sam, when that era was going on. You couldn't find a brunette anywhere outside because all of his victims happened to have brown hair or brown, you know, darkish blonde hair. We were there. I was there with my roommate. She was from New York. We, you couldn't, you, you were, couldn't find anybody on the streets. It was like you became blonde. No, I just wore a hat. Wasn't that the one where the dog told him to yeah. do it? Yeah. The next door neighbor told him to do you it. The wore dog. A hat. <laughs> I had short hair. I played softball. Everyone thought I was, you know, gay, and so I just put a hat on and I hid my head, and it was fine. 
So. Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> I just had a vision. Um, but they both, Karen Slattery and Georgiana Warden, looked alike. They were slight, hundred less than 100 pounds. Well, it's somebody you know, that's easy, easily to overcome, uh, overcome right. and, and beat the crap out of without any, you know, defense. Again, I always tell you, situational awareness is everything. But, I mean, you're going back to 84, 85. You know, he had jealousy windows. He probably could have oh, yeah. just popped them out and climbed That's in. He didn't have he to did. break it. And the thing is, is she's on the phone with her mom. When I called my mom and I heard that caterwauling, I felt better because I'm talking to my mom on the phone, you know, with the curly cord and the... Right. The, uh, oh, the old princess dial phone. The princess dial phone. <laughs> what is that, a rotary dial? Yeah. And so, but she's on the phone with her mom. She's like, I'm fine. Everything's fine. And the guy comes up behind oh, her. Oh, my God. And the phone's just left hanging there. Oh, how horrible. And you think you're safe because you're talking to your mom on the phone. You think, yeah, you're never safe. I'm telling you, situational awareness. In my case, dogs. There's but, nothing better. I, you know what? You may think that it, I, I'm crazy, but there's nothing better than a dog, even a little dog, just to true, alert to you. To alert you. Because then she would have known wrong. someone was in the house because right. he was in the house twice. But now you've got the ring door vi- you know, video. Right. You've got alarm systems. We have so many ways now of knowing if a window has been breached or a door's been opened. Yeah, things have changed dramatically. Things have changed. We're much safer in that way. Yeah, but still, you know what? If you're if you're a good enough thief or you're a good enough killer, you're going to figure out a way to get around it. If you want somebody dead, you're going to find a way to do it. I don't right. care if it's by gun, by knife, by strangulation. And I, I remember I watched a movie years ago where a guy was in a car wash. And he got strangled from behind, you know, going through the car wash and, you know, the radio dies because you lose the signal. He's singing to himself next to you know, somebody in the back seat strangling him. I, till this day, before I even get up to where I got to pay for the car wash, I lock all my windows. Oh, my God. I make sure that's no horrendous. It's, it's horrible. It's, it, that's the effect that stupid movie had on me. Okay. But, again... Where's the best way to get it? Where's the easiest way to get attacked? In a car wash. No one's expecting you to open the door in a car wash. Was it, there was a woman that was shot in the back of the head. She thought her brains were coming out, and it was a um, Pillsbury dough uh, canister that exploded. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Hit her in the back of the head. She's feeling the dough. My brains are coming out. Oh, my God. I hate she those dough things. She was in the car. Things. I know. And Boom. they exploded. <laughs> Every holiday, you know, we got to make those stupid rolls. And I, I don't make things from scratch. I buy those little Pillsbury doughboy things and I, I had one explode on me once till this day it's like my cousins every time I say it's your turn yeah he'll go get you all the rolls you had me do it on remember, Easter remember, I don't do it oh, I don't funny. like them so just finally wrapping up this guy's still on death row like 30 years later does the death penalty really work if he's still I mean of course they threw out the confession they had to retry him twice oh, look at now t- now the supreme court has said that the uh, the non-unanimous death penalty verdict has you know it yeah. has to be unanimous so he's going to be there for another 10 15 years look at look at how long it took him to fry Ted Bundy yeah you know after they found him guilty i mean that was at least what 7 8 years before they caught him and then he got he finally died i mean come on and that was Ted Bundy this guy was, they only know a two, maybe three or four. And I mean, and so Karen's sister, she couldn't really sleep at night, so she became an officer so she could work overnight this is, shift. This is our second story, by the way, where that a horrific uh, situation turned into uh, someone becoming a police officer. Exactly. So again, this is Debbie about the situation. The fact that this guy is still sitting in jail, it's frustrating. Yeah, he's sitting but there. But she's awful calm compared to me. Yeah. Well, hopefully he'll get the needle soon. I'm sorry. 
I like I said, I'm an eye for an eye. Well, this is happening right now. This is still being considered right at this. Is moment. he in Stark? Like, is that where he is? Yeah, he's on death row. Okay, right. Is that where Rayford, they go? Rayford. Yeah. Rayford. Is yeah. that where you go for death row? You yes. Sit there. It's not pleasant. By the way, I talked to the uh, a number of correctional guards who've worked in these kind of situations, and this whole situation where these people have like epileptic fits and they start shaking and it's all it's all fake faked it's all so faked. they can go to the yeah yeah so they can make it news and make it look like the death penalty is horrific you should oh, have thought oh, about I that i see what you're saying yeah, they make you it mean up. when they're during what they other than you, a, bl- a vein being blown blown you know what they do is that it's kind of like what they did to me when they operated on you they knock you out then they kill you it's like what they do to your dog or your cat or your horse whatever they put them to sleep first they go, oh, give them some propofol or whatever the heck it is that they use. They don't feel anything. So this whole chattering on the in the chair and, oh, that's all fake. They're all liars. They're killers. They deserve it. Let them die. End of story. Oops. <laughs> I got a little carried away. I think, we'd give them, I think the firing squad is really the way to go. Wow. Well, you don't know. No. Because they got what eight people shooting you, I remember, and half one, of them, only one has a only live one bullet. has a bullet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, so I'm trying to think of the drug that they do use because they're having oh midazolam. They're having a problem with that though. What are they having a problem with? Well, first of all, give them propofol. Put your right out, then to stick another needle I, in them. Yeah, they don't. They use midazolam, and and it's coming from how do you remember this a stuff? non-pharmacy that blends them? Because Europe said we're not going to sell you midazolam anymore because you're using it for executions. So we couldn't get it. By the way, it's it's this midazolam. Uh, it's not. It makes you go to sleep. <laughs> So they're having problems with it. Okay, so use Ambien, <laughs> liquid form. I don't know. Figure out a way to put him to sleep first. I don't care. This guy does not belong walking among the human life. Well, he's, he's a scumbag creep. He's still among us. Well, I'm glad he's locked up, and God forbid he ever gets loose, because I'd be the first to shoot him. Yeah. Wow. Dwayne Owen. Sounds like a real nice guy, right? No. Boy. So we'll keep you posted on this one, because I'm sure that our new governor, Ron DeSantis, is itching to sign that death warrant. Well, maybe he'll have a new trial. If I'm on it, I will find him guilty. And how expensive is that? Well, all of these people. I mean, how many how many people are on death row? There's hundreds up there, sitting up there at Rayford. Just waiting. Waiting. What Biden. a horrible existence. That is, actually. Horrible existence. And you know what time you're going to die. That's a hard one for me. You know, we don't know. I could walk out and get hit by a car now, I but I didn't know it was coming. Yeah, you're right. You know, the psychological effect. And I think that has that's got a lot to do with the whole death row thing. It's the psychological, you know, game they play with you. Yeah. You figure they taunted and, and you taunted and you killed so many people or you hurt so many people or you did this. And you deserve a little psychological abuse. I'm sorry. I just can't believe they threw out his I, confession <laughs> and had to retry on. him on that one. Come on. Good God. This guy gets a new trial. I'll be shocked. Yeah. I hear, Put I'm him th- asleep. Here I'm thinking the system isn't fair to the defendant. Uh, wrong. So there you have it. Go buy some Pillsbury uh, no. popovers. <laughs> no, thank you. Popovers. <laughs> that wraps up this episode of Full Rigor. Please don't forget to rate us. We love stars. We get stars? Yeah. Really? Yeah. What's the most we can get? Like we get five? five. We, we have, yeah, we're five out of five right now. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Thank you, everybody. Thank Greatly you. appreciate it. Until next time. Thanks, Jen. Thanks, Karen. Bye. To be your best every day. You need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. 
And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know eight out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.